Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 196. And today we are here with Pablo from SP Tuning. Slow Integra, what's, what's up, brother? How's it going? How's it going? Great, man. Uh, glad to have you here. I've uh, I've been excited to talk to you and hear about uh, your life and, and your channel, man. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, bro. Yeah, of course, dude. So um, for everybody that's not familiar with you, if you could just give us like a, a quick breakdown of who you are and what you do. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, my name is Pablo. I'm, I run a YouTube channel called SB Tuning, Instagram at Slow Integra. Uh, I'm just a basic guy with a car and I don't have a specific like uh, area of expertise or whatever. I'm not like a welder. I'm not a builder. I'm not a tuner or anything. I'm just a kid who likes figuring out stuff on his own. Yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago, I got into cars and um, there weren't a lot of people in my area who knew uh, more than doing like simple bolt-ons and I wanted to go that extra step. Yeah. We just started like taking stuff apart in the garage and putting it back together type thing. That Blowing up cars in the process and figuring out what we did wrong the time before, yeah. you know? That's the best way to do it, man. You got to learn from experience. Yeah. So where are you out of? I was in Palm Coast, Florida. It's uh, just north of Daytona, but I just moved down to Orlando like two months ago. No way. On the track. Oh, dude, that's so awesome, man. I love Orlando, dude. I've... Uh... It's sick. There's everything. Yeah, I've uh, I've been out there plenty of times for the uh, the Eibach meet that they would have out there. Really cool. Yeah, so that was one of the legs that we would do was in Orlando, and uh, man, there's so much to do right there. It's it's so diverse. That's the thing. Yeah, there's so many. And it uh, it seems like people are always moving there from uh, from like Jersey, from from up north. Yeah. Everybody comes down. Yeah. <laughs> so you're born and raised um, in in Florida. North Carolina, actually. Really? I was there until I was five, I think. And then I came down to Florida. Okay. But I spent most of my life here in Florida. It's it's home. Gotcha. You know? So what's life like in Florida? A lot of alligators. No shit. A lot of alligators, deers. Uh, we got, like I said, dude, especially in Orlando, everything's so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, you see everything. Like you said, there's people from up north that come down. There's people who were born here. And... I'm not sure about other states, but Florida is, is so it's so easy to like be in a city and then 15 minutes away you're in like the middle of nowhere. So you have huge lifted trucks, you have like super slammed cars, you have fast cars, you have show cars, uh, you have different people of like different countries, different races, everything. It's just like a big melting pot. Yeah, I really I love Florida. Yeah, definitely, man. Especially in Orlando, dude. There's so many shops in that area as well it's crazy yeah that's cool man so um how old are you 23 23 damn you're at the perfect age dude i love it just getting started. so uh you just moved to orlando what was the reasoning for you moving to orlando uh main reason my girlfriend lives down here oh. and i was about hours away before and um just driving down every couple every couple days it just gets to be a pain you know and um aside from that there's just so much more stuff here in orlando not only racing but in everything Palm Coast, I'm not sure if you've heard of it before. Yeah. It's a little bit north of Daytona, like I was saying. Um, it's a super small town, and there's nothing to do. You know, it's, Orlando's a lot of a better choice for everything. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, definitely, man. That's awesome, dude. So uh, let's talk about it, bro. When did you uh, get bit by the bug, man? When did you get into cars? Man, so I got to say it was maybe sophomore year in high school. Mm -hmm. I was like 15 years old or something, and... Um, what was my first car? My first car, I was a little Volkswagen Golf. Nice. Really, really basic. Like, it was stick shift. Uh, 1.8, if I'm not mistaken. 
and I remember um, it was my brother's car. Then uh, my brother bought a new car, and my dad bought it off of him to let me get it, like as my first car or whatever. Yeah. So I was 15 years old. I was working like little jobs here and there, trying to get some money. And uh, technically, I wasn't supposed to be driving already, but I was already driving it to school under a permit, like a learner's permit. And um, I would order a whole bunch of parts, and I never put them on. Um, about three weeks after I got all the parts in, like little bolt-on headlights, yeah. intake, a muffler, little stuff like that, uh, my dad got into a car accident with it, totaled the car. Aww. From there, I just sold all the little parts, and um, I was looking at aftermarket stuff, and I got into Hondas. So after that, I got a Civic, I got an Integra. And before high school was over, I must have had like 15 other Hondas, just buying and selling and blowing them up, fixing them. Um, I had a four-door Integra that uh, when I bought it, it was running fine. The head gasket blew. And then I looked up how to do a head gasket on the car. Mm. Um, the forums that I found online were, they were okay. They were good guideline, but a lot of things on them were wrong. So when I put the car back together, it was right. And uh, then I took it back again, bought a Haynes manual, uh, read how to do everything correctly or whatever, got that together with uh, ARP head studs, ARP rod bolts, and threw a little eBay turbo kit on it. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, I was like, wow, there's a huge aftermarket on these cars. There's a huge scene of not only building them as a commuter car, but also building them as a street car. And then boom, a whole track opens up. You know, there's so much more you can do with them. Yeah. And after I just uh, I decided to keep on going into it, and little by little, it progressed into what it is today. That's awesome, man. Um, so at school, did you have any uh, other people that were into Hondas that you would hang out with? So there was like, um, I want to say two other Honda people. One was uh, my friend Max. I'm sure you've seen him online. He actually has a couple of bolts from yours on his old build. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, Max Remish, I think, is his Instagram like Max Hunter Dash Rummage. He's got a, an EK9 clone and a, an RSX also. He always had, like his dad had Type R's and whatnot, so he'd be the other Honda kid in school. Mm. I think he was buried behind me. And then the uh, the other older kids who were into cars, um, I think there was one kid with uh, like the, you know, the Fast and the Furious number one, the EGs at the beginning of the movie to steal the trucks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a clone of one of those. And then aside from that, it was um, a whole bunch of other cars like, a few domestic cars, uh, some Mitsubishi, some Subaru, stuff like that. But not a lot of Honda people growing up. Got it. So when did you start getting a... What made you realize that there was a, a community out there for the Honda? Man, how did that happen? I think Honda Day actually was the, the first big event. If I'm not mistaken, you mentioned it was in Orlando. Yeah, Orlando 2013. That's what it was, yeah. So... 2013, I was a junior in high school. Okay. So I was almost done with that. I had just gotten into cars, like I mentioned, like my sophomore year. And um, I came down with my Integra, the the purple one that I had. Pretty sure it was right after I turboed it, if I'm not mistaken. And I ran like a 16 or something, like street tires, yeah. bouncing off the rev limiter, wheel hopping like crazy. Drove it two hours down, drove it two hours back up. And uh, that was the first event that I went to. And there was a whole bunch of like fast Hondas, clean Hondas and whatnot. And I just, I didn't realize there was so much potential in them. I didn't realize you could do so much and actually like customize something so much. Yeah. So then I kind of followed that and did my own thing type thing. Dude, that was such a great event too. I remember that one, man. I, I, I remember at the end of it, it just started pouring out of nowhere, dude. 
it was uh and then we got really really sick after that because we were just all really? soaked and then we just went to go eat after that and uh yeah i ended up getting sick for a few days after that bro my buddy's car caught on fire that day no shit at the track yeah wow he had a, an integra coupe i was in my integra sedan and his was super low. I don't know if you remember because it was a long time ago, but they had just cut the grass. Mm-hmm. This was before OSW had like the maintenance that it does now. Um, but they had just cut the grass, and there was probably from this much grass to this much, and all the grass that they had cut like a week ago or a week before that was all dry. So his car being super low and like a aftermarket exhaust, driving two hours, it caught on fire underneath the car. And we were like in the stands chilling before I raced. And um, we kept on hearing over the over the like the announcer guy. He said an Acura. I think he said TSX at first. Then he said a Civic. Like on fire. Owner, please come. Owner, please come. And we're just walking. Like twenty minutes later, and we look at the field. And we're like, Javi, is that your car? We ran over there. The fire department couldn't get the hood open, so they smashed the hood and the bumper. I think they broke a window to try to pull the hood latch, and they got the fire out. We drove it home still. Like, it burned some of the wiring for the headlights. Um, it started at the exhaust, like, under the header. But we still drove it home and everything. It was just a crazy turn of events that day. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was pretty insane. It was pretty insane. Just from the exhaust being hot, it caught the grass on fire? Yep. Oh, shit. So pissed, dude. Man, that's a, that's a trip to remember. Um, so now that you're out in Orlando, you go to the uh, the track a lot? Uh, so I just moved down like two months ago and it's still like the pandemic or whatever. Oh, okay. So I've gone to two events, I think, or two testing tunes. Uh-huh. But aside from that, um, Orlando and this time of year just sucks for racing, mm. at least at the track, because it rains so easily. Like if you're at the on the street, you can just go to another street and race somewhere else. But at the track, you have a little bit of rain. And if it doesn't clear up in 20, 30 minutes, they'll shut it down. So it's hard to get a nice test or test in tune or event out there during this time of uh, the season or whatever. But um, like before, a couple months ago, I'd come all the time uh, towards the end of the year for like sport comp and a whole bunch of other events were always down here. Yeah, gotcha. Tracks. So 2013, you go to H-Day, you, you see the show and you uh, you realize there's a whole new universe out there. Oh. What, is, uh, what does that actually do to your, uh, to your mind and to your like hustle? I bought another car. Yeah? So I stayed with the four door as a daily and um, I'm not sure you probably seen it on my uh, Facebook and I mean, not my Facebook, my Instagram and uh, YouTube, the red integral that I have. Yeah. bought that as a shell and like right after H day and I was like, all right, so if I can't get my daily driver to go faster without having to dump a bunch of money into it immediately, I'm like, I know I'm going to need suspension. I know I'm going to need tires. I want to do more for the motor. I want to make more power. If I can't do all that without getting rid of this car as a daily and buying another, let's just buy a car to build. Mm-hmm. So I bought that as a shell, and slowly I got a whole bunch of parts, started putting it all together, uh, figured out what injectors like to crack sleeves, uh, figured out like what suspension likes to work on the street, what likes to do on the track, and um, just started putting stuff together, you know? Yeah, so... Like, I was talking to... Oh, go ahead, what? go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, please, please. Uh, so, um... While you're figuring all this stuff out, are you getting this information from anywhere or is this trial and error? Dude, my biggest friend, to be honest, was the Haynes manual. Like with torque specifications and how-tos on taking the motor apart and putting it back together with stock parts. Yeah. 
So, for example, if I had pistons to put in or rods to put in, I'd follow the steps on the Haynes manual on taking the cylinder head off, uh, unbolting the oil pan, taking the windage tray off, and then I would just, if it's an OEM rod coming out, I'd do the exact same thing, putting the forged stuff in, mm-hmm. just following Eagle specification for Torx. Got you. Because at that time, there were YouTubers, there were forums um, to be able to show you how to do this stuff. I'm not going to say that there weren't because there's a lot of people who have put in work, a lot of people who have helped the community. But um, it, it wasn't as viral or easiest to find right yeah. now. Like now you go on YouTube and you put in Turbo Honda and you see Boosted Boys. And they come up instantly. You go onto their, their channel and you see their stuff from way before, like putting motors together, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But before to find that stuff, like five, six years ago, it was a lot harder. So basically just doing stuff at home, finding out how to break stuff and how not to break stuff in the future. Yeah. That was my biggest Dude, that's kind of crazy, though, for you just to pick up the manual and just start building it out of nowhere and, and fixing things and, and you know, reading the diagrams and doing the torque specs. Like, where do you feel that that comes from? Do you see that in any other part of your life? Um, not really, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really good with my hands, or at least I try to be. Uh, I feel very confident in taking things apart and um, figuring stuff out. My grandfather... Um, he was a, a pilot and he used to invent stuff too in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away like 10 years ago now. So I didn't really know him much growing up because he was down there. I was up here. But my dad tells me that that's exactly how he was. Like he would always he'd go race cars before racing was a thing back in Argentina, like in the 60s. Um, he'd always take his plane apart, put stuff on it and just try things. Yeah. So I guess it's something from that, you know. It's in your DNA, bro. Yes, so. So you're. Uh, I was reading from one of your posts that uh, that your pops he's not into cars. What? Your your dad he's not into cars. Oh no, nobody in my immediate family. Is. Really? Uh, I'll hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do they think about your uh, your hobby and your new career? So my dad he's uh, like I said he's not into cars, but he's always been supportive with whatever I do. Like he's always had my back 100, percent and I I thank him like to death for that. That's amazing. Uh, my mom too. She came around to it, but one of the first track events with uh, the red car, mm-hmm. like the one that I was building on the sides, and I have to take my daily to the track. Um, I remember the day that I, I rented a U-Haul, used my buddy's uh, truck to bring it to the track, and my mom's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to the track," and she goes, "Oh, why?" I'm like, "Oh, I built the car to race. What are you talking about? Why?" And she goes, oh, I thought you were going to just build it and sell it like you do all the other cars. Because I used to buy cars to flip. Yeah. Like, oh, it has a blown motor or something, fix it and flip it, make some money. Um, and I'm like, no, this is for racing. And it took her a while to come around. But, like, luckily she is now, you know. Um, she still doesn't come out to the track or anything. And my dad only did once. But hopefully in the future they'll come come a little bit more. But um, it's they're coming around too. It's, it's just it's a different world for them. Yeah. You know? An important part of buying Honda parts online is making sure that you can trust the company that you're dealing with to get you the right parts reliably. You're spending a lot of money and you spent a lot of time researching your build. The last thing that you may want to do is send cash to a website where you may never see it again and worse yet, never see parts. With Heel Toe Automotive, an 18 year history track record is part of the deal. Heeltoe brings you deep industry connects, professional parts recommendations, alternative ideas when your parts aren't available, and will even contact you if something on your order looks out of ordinary before it ships. 
Hilto's unique checkout allows you to select a deadline to receive your parts to make sure you get them in the time for your project plans. You can buy parts online anywhere, but Hilto knows what truly matters to an enthusiast. Professionalism, swiftness, and accuracy. Hilto is in your corner. Visit HiltoAuto.com or you can call or text at 949-295-1668. And make sure you check them out on Instagram at Heeltoe Automotive. Yeah, too. And if you're looking at it from a parent's point of view, it, it's it's pretty dangerous. You know, and it could put you in some bad situations. So uh, it's it's always good to focus on, um, you know, safety. And yeah, definitely, man. That's that's one thing that really slips a, a lot of people's minds, especially when you know they get excited about finishing their car and wanting to go race and things like that. But you know, the older I get, the I look at everything with a with different lens. You know, it's uh, it's so easy to just go out there on a, like we have the the Thursday meets here. We'll go to a Thursday meet, and then that adrenaline, and then the ego. Well, let's just go race, and then something can happen right there. You know. But that's me being 35 with a uh, hell of responsibilities. If I was uh, 23, just just working on cars, bro, <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah, we definitely changed up our, our safety and whatnot a lot. Um, I was talking to my buddy Alfonso. He's a good friend of mine. He came down to my house last night, and we were remembering the red car when we first got it running turbo. Um, we were out. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the highway US-1. Mm. But it's some highway here that runs across Florida. Okay. In certain parts of it, there's light. In certain parts of it, there's no light post. So in Palm Coast, in the small town that I lived in, uh, there's no light on that. And it's uh, some areas have guardrails, some don't. It's a one or two lane highway. Mm-hmm. So we were out testing one night, right after I turboed the red car. And um, this is what I was saying about the injectors, that I know which ones work. And um, we were doing pulls. I think I clicked fourth and was like halfway into fourth gear. And an injector clogs up, cracks the sleeve. There's no lights on the highway. My car turns off, so the, all the lights on the dash and everything turns oh, off. Oh, shit. And the the cabin fulls up of uh, like smoke and whatnot. Going like at least 115, 120 miles an hour on, on like a super dark highway. Luckily, I was able to control it. I, I always try when I drive to think of what's ahead. So if I know that there's a curve coming up, I'm like, okay, in like five, six seconds, I'm going to have to turn a little bit, even before it happens. So luckily, I had that in mind, and I was able to like kind of keep it on the street. And um, we ended up going a little bit into the grass. Luckily, there was no medium right there. And uh, then we turned it on and drove it back home with a crack sleeve. But that's another story. But like from that kind of moment to where we are now, we see a huge difference. Like if you're going to go and, and test on the street, for example, make sure it's a well-lit area. There's all safety stuff. Now we have a roll cage in the car, uh, harnesses. We're always safe about that. Obviously, if you're going to test, let me say this on the internet, go to the track. Don't do it on the street. Yeah. But let's be honest. It's inevitable if you want to test your two-step or your 60-foot or something. Uh, if you're going to do it, do it the safe way. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, although I'm not at the level that you are, you're saying you have, you know, you're obviously older, you have more experience than I do. I'm starting to see that progression and you have to be safer. You have to do things the right way. Yeah, it's just, it's just natural. Just like working on cars, you're uh, going to break something. You're going to 
you're going to figure out that this product doesn't work correctly or what have you, you know, and it's just inevitable that something is going to go bad. So you have to kind of mentally prepare yourself for all of these things that could go bad. And that's why it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good practice to just, you know, go over your car and try to, you know, double check everything because do yeah. everybody has that adrenaline and they just want to go out there and take it out and, and not care about anything. Dude, I catch myself doing that just, just at light. Sometimes I'll be at a light and the car's next to me and I'm just looking around trying to see if there's a cop or anything and not, not really even putting any care to anything that I'm about to do, but it's, it's not good to do that for sure. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy to fall down that hole and it's fun. That's the thing. Yeah. It, it definitely is. Like, so you uh, you get the uh, Integra. Is that the car that is uh, La Fea? Yeah. Got you, got Fea. you. Man, that's crazy, yeah. dude, that you still have it to this day. So I'll never sell that car. Really? Um, bro, never. It, I've been through so much with that car and it's so much in life. And like anything that happens, that car's always there. And it's just one of those kind of things that like not to be negative or anything, not to say that cars are the important thing in life, but everybody has that type of thing that they need to be able to fall back on now i'm blessed to have so many other things in life that obviously material things aren't always what's important 90 percent of the time they shouldn't matter yeah. but um it helped me a lot in my in some portions of my life and i'll never get rid of that car yeah hell yeah I, man I always i always play with my uh, my girlfriend and my friends i'm like yo if something ever happens to me like god forbid if if i die or i have an untimely like demise or whatever that car either gets buried with me or caught on fire <laughs> That's sold. It's not putting a museum or whatever. No, that car's gone. Yeah. We can have it. I feel super. I love it, man. So as you start working on the car, you start uh, figuring out what works, what doesn't. Does your uh, does your friend group grow? Um. So there's always people that come and go. A lot of people, especially like with YouTube or um, like people seeing an opportunity to take advantage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be people that come and go, but uh, for the most part, I've always been, you know, blessed to have good people in my life, and um, happy to say the people that I was with five, six years ago when I started into cars are still by my side. Got it, dude. I love it. So let's talk about the YouTube, man. When did you um, start to take it seriously? Because I see you have posts from maybe like what six, seven years back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, probably about serious, serious, like more than just doing stupid videos like two years ago like two or three years ago but i've never been like the type of person to just like throw out videos just because i have to hit a schedule or anything um i don't try to upload on a certain day of the week or on a certain time of the month because i like making my videos not for i don't i barely make any money off of it Mm -hmm. like especially after i think two years ago uh youtube changed the policy on ads everybody's revenue got cut into like 20% 20% of what they were making before or something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, so I barely make anything. A lot of people think that I'm, I'm making like bank or something. No, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, I just like to make videos of what has worked for me, what hasn't worked for me. And hopefully somebody that watches the video can learn something about it and not make the same mistake twice. So about two or three years ago when I started getting serious about it, the Integra went tens. Um, it started having issues with stuff that happens at that point and we started fixing it and i was just super stoked to be able to show people what's going to happen if you get to that point or how to prevent bad things from happening or doing things the right way instead if sometimes we try to cut corners save 20 bucks on a part 
And in some instances, it's totally okay to save those $20. Go with a cheap component on this thing because it's not an important part. Be 100% honest with you. But on some things, you can't cheap out. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people want to push an agenda and push a certain product, which is okay. But I like being that person who you can still talk to. Like I have, I think, 17,000 followers on Instagram and every day – maybe 30 DMs on questions of, yo, what do I do here? Can you help me with this? What should I do? What do you think of this? And I'm happy to help, dude. Like, I can't always get to them the same day. Sometimes it wait, waits until night, waits until the next day. But I just love helping people. Yeah. That's awesome to do. I love it, man. So to take it back about two years ago when you started taking it seriously, what was it that clicked in your mind that made you want to uh, take this uh, journey? So not necessarily saying that if I wouldn't have had more people watching, I wouldn't keep on making videos, but by having more people watch the Integra at the track or messing with it on the street, I realized that I have the ability to have this audience in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, before, it was just kind of like, oh, I'm just putting up videos. If somebody happens to stumble upon it, upon it, awesome. But then I realized, I'm like, dude, no, I can actually do good with this. I can actually help. Mm-hmm. So from when I realized that, I was like, game over let me just whatever i can i'm gonna record it and i'm gonna put it out there got you so about that time um who were some of the channels that you were watching on uh youtube maybe like some inspiration so uh 1320 always been a great channel they always have great stuff um they've never been the type of person to like show you how to build something but they've always been the person to show you an end result and be like man i want to get that i want to be on there i want to be able to like have something to compete with that type of thing um, them, uh, Boosted Boys, always been a huge inspiration since like the days that they were doing crazy stuff with old wagons and stuff. Um, who else? I, I don't know. You can ask like a good friend of mine, Shane. He always asks me, "Yo, did you see so and so's new video?" I'm awful at, at watching a, like a regular YouTube channel day by day type thing, but I'm really easy to like search up videos and watch somebody without specifically knowing who it is type thing. Um, so it'd be hard to say specifically what channels inspired me or whatever, but um, just everybody on YouTube, like everybody puts in their piece, everybody helps. Got you, got you. I'm sorry, it's kind of a bad answer to that question. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Um, you know, sometimes myself, I don't spend much time on YouTube um, in the uh, Honda realm of things. So I'm always just trying to get an idea because there is there is a whole different subculture to that where people have you know huge channels and i'm not i'm not even aware of them because that's just it's just a different way of uh you know using social media like i feel like younger people they gravitated towards youtube way more than you know the generation before that but um you know i always try to keep my ear to the streets and see what's going on and see who's doing what and um you know find some good stuff in there you know, such as uh, my my buddy uh, Zosh. Uh, I know he's out that way too. Yeah, I um, you know, I found him, and uh, just dug his energy, bro. That's why I like YouTube because it actually gets to show the person's personality, and you know what they're interested in, and uh, you know, I, I see you make the face, but it, you can see when somebody is showing their actual personality or not showing their personality. Yeah. Do you uh do you run into I, that a lot? I agree to a certain extent because uh, Zosh, perfect example. I've met Zosh two or three times, I think, like in person, and um, 
great person, super like energetic, super hype, super positive. Um, obviously some of his videos, he like talks about problems, but he shows you that he's down to earth. Yeah. And, uh, you can tell that the person he is on screen is also who he is off screen. And I really admire that. I try to be the same way. Like if you come up to me at an event or you see me at Walmart, I'm not going to turn my shoulder. Yeah. Which is what we should strive to be like. We should strive to be the persona that we put out, even if even if we're a less a less positive person, or if we're not who we want to be. Don't portray yourself to be something you're not mm-hmm. on YouTube or Instagram because it's not going to benefit you. Yeah, it's not going. Nobody's going to win out of that situation. Um, so with certain people like Zosh or Kyle from Boosted Boys, Emilio, they're all great people. Brand. Um, we're all who we are off screen, but then there's also a lot of people that you run into who you can, after meeting them in person, especially see that they're different. Yeah. And it's kind of sad because like I said, you don't gain anything out of it, but it's easy on YouTube to record your clip, edit it down and make yourself look likable instead of actually being that positive person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this is a, this podcast doesn't have any cuts in it, right? No, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say, bro. This is raw, you know? Yeah. This is how it actually is. But when you're making a YouTube video, 99% of the time, you record, you go like this, and you hit pause, and you, you cut back the clip and keep on recording. Yeah. You know? So it's easy for people to, you know, fortunately, it's easy for people to sometimes change who they are. But, um, oh yeah, no, definitely. Dude. I've uh, I've been in this industry for over ten years now, and I've met pretty much everybody that I need to meet in this industry, and probably a very very small handful of them are legit people. Um, you know, and it's just like in the in the real world when you meet people, you have a bunch of friends, you know. But once you start to get to know them, then you get to realize who they are as a person. So yeah. me, dude, I have. St- countless acquaintances you know there's so many people i can contact in the industry that have businesses or huge followings or whatever but when it comes to if they're actually a real person a real represent representative of who they really are not that many people dude and it's hard you know and that's just because of of what you said it's it's very easy to cut it and edit it and to make you look like a cool person but an actual cool person, you can tell the the difference of it. You could tell when, and that's why I liked. That's why I said that you could see somebody's personality because me, yep. I can see somebody's channel and I can see the way that they act, the way that they navigate conversations, the key words that they use. I pick up on all of this stuff, man, and I can uh, I can see exactly where they're coming from. And then you also mentioned about you know, uh, pushing parts that maybe don't work or whatever, you know, that's a huge, um, pro I don't, I don't know if it's a pro it's a problem for me because, you know, these people with huge channels or huge followings or whatever, they have an influence over other people who aren't as, uh, knowledgeable as they are. And they could be selling them some bullshit just because that person is getting paid to put this ad off or getting free parts for their car to say like, Hey, check out this new pen. It made my car 10 seconds faster or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. No, like that makes total sense. Brings me to another point. Um, so I've had a whole bunch, I'm blessed to have like a whole bunch of companies be able to support me. And if I'm starting a new build or like the CRX that we did, we had a ton of support from like K tune S one bill, 
Um, Hasport helped us. Uh, YNS uh, showed us like a few little tricks when we did the Lexan. We have their Lexan on the Integra. Gotcha. Um, so many companies, like too many to name right now. But within those companies, every single component that I put on the car, I beat the living crap out of. Like our all-wheel drive trailing arms from S1 built, we trust in them. I took the front axles out, made it rear-wheel drive for an event, and um, it beat the living crap out of it. it had no issues, you know? Mm-hmm. There's been a maybe a handful, maybe four or five companies that have reached out to me, for example, and say, hey, uh, let me send you this part and some cash. Mm-hmm. Like, can I put this on your car? And I'm like, hey, with all due respect, I prefer not to. Mm-hmm. You know, your business is your business. I'm not going to blast you. I'm not going to say who you are. I prefer not to run your part. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's completely fine. You know, business is business. But the reason I do that, even if they are giving me money, I'm not going to promote a product that I don't believe in. Yeah. If I know that it's broken on X, Y, and Z person's car, whatever, and I know that it's manufactured to a lesser standard than the real company, for example, if it's an imitation part or something, I'm not going to promote that product. Yeah. And a lot of people, I feel like, not a lot of people, but some people, uh, they sell themselves out easy for that. That's not what I'm about. You know, like I said, the YouTube channel doesn't bring in much money. I do it because I want to enjoy my car and show people how to do it to theirs. Yeah. Is there a lot of uh, Honda beef in the YouTube community? Um, I think there was, like, maybe two years ago with some of the YouTubers. I try to just, like, I don't care, you know? Yeah. I've had people that I don't particularly get along with anymore, but I'm not the type of person to, like, throw shade or say something, like, Say something on the internet and then hide my face. I got a problem with you. I'm gonna tell you straight up. Yeah, just say I'm fuck them right now. <laughs> yeah, here. like you got an issue with me? All right, I'll see you at the event. And uh, yeah, when you see him at the event, then you realize that it's not a real issue. Yeah, <laughs> no lie, no lie, bro. I'm telling you, dude. I've been down this path so many times, and uh, you know, then it just it just makes me look crazy. Like what you guys. This is real. No, it's not. I'm, I'm just saying it online. Like, what the fuck? We're playing by two different rules, man. So you you have a good day, bro. <laughs> uh, it's sad, though. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, that's going to happen in any industry, man. There's going to be negativity and people taking advantage and, you know, people selling their selling their self for, you know, an inferior product just for the money. But I mean, yeah. that only lasts so long. It, it takes a lot in this industry to keep going and to, to keep pushing on because people, they'll call your card, man. People will realize that, hey, why are you trying to sell us this part that you know isn't good? You're not even using this part on your car. Or, uh, you know, when, when a scandal happens or something like that, you'll see the, the, the crowd change really quickly. And that's how you'll realize that, damn, I really don't have as much support as I thought I did yeah it's crazy i see like other social media people or like influencers whatever you want to call them or youtubers like i try not to get into beefs like i said and if i do i'll squash it right there there's no need to involve other people yeah but some other people like get the involvement and i prefer not to do that you know i rather just stick to what i'm doing i don't give a i don't give two craps about what the person across the street is doing i'm gonna worry about myself and what i put out yeah yeah. I don't care about other people. Yeah, How- not in the in the sense that I don't care to help them or I don't care that they're well because I wish well on you know everybody, but I don't care if they're gonna try to lose sleep over their annoyment with something. Downtime with Downstar would like to welcome our newest sponsor, Rywire Motorsport Electronics. 
Rywire has been around since 2005, supplying you with solutions for all of your motorsport electronics needs. Whether you need a simple ECU adapter, engine harness, chassis harness, or PDM setup, they can get you taken care of. Offering products for most popular engine platforms from Honda, Toyota, Nissan, GM, hey, even Lamborghini. And if you have any private label needs, they can also take care of that as well. Rywire is the leader in motorsport electronics in our community, and we're excited to have them part of the Downtime with Downstairs our family please please make sure you guys support rywire you guys could check them out at rywire.com or on instagram at rywire underscore motorsport underscore electronics i know it's long guys if you just search rywire it will pop up and if you're searching make sure you search them on youtube and you can check out their youtube channel where they are working on their new ev s2000 build we're super excited for that and we're super excited for rywire to be part of the downtime with downstar family so please guys make sure you go show rywire some love and tell them that downtime with downstar sent you once again that's rywire.com yeah no i feel you dude um so back into the the youtube stuff um fast forward to today what have you learned in the last two years about being a, a YouTuber? What are some of the positives, some of the negatives, some of the things that you wish that you knew earlier on that helped the channel grow? Um, I'd say that's a tough question because, like, even at this point, I'm not like a a YouTube genius type thing. Like, my channel's at forty six thousand subscribers or something. Yeah, forty six. Like, but I, I do realize sometimes if I wanted to be at a higher subscriber, I could take that negative route and like call so-and-so out or say, oh, this car is trash. I'm a race him type thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess I learned that, but that's not what I try to be about. I try to just, you know, work on myself. Um, learning wise, I'd say the best advice that I've given myself and give anybody else that's getting into YouTube right now, record as much as possible. Like you can never have too much footage. Like we said earlier, you can cut down, you can edit. If you have a two day event, if you record the whole event type thing, you'll still get, you'll still get the clips that you need. But, um, just record, record, record. Um, try to put out the best of your, which sometimes I slack, like I'll record a video and I'm not a good editor. Most of the time I make videos off of my iPhone. Mm. I have a little, uh, Canon camera that I use sometimes with my computer is trash. Like I'm using my girlfriend's computer right now because you said computers are better for Skype. Yeah. But I think what I'm trying to say here is no matter if you're a good editor or a good video person or good at this or that, just stick to yourself. And what I like out of YouTube is that I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy being able to share my experience and share my knowledge, even though I'm not super knowledgeable, but share what I can have. I mean, you're learning. Yeah, definitely. You know? I was watching some of your videos and just seeing you, uh, you know, talking about welding and the pie cuts and, you know, the steps to go through as you're as you're learning, you're teaching other people and you're the one that's taking the uh, the time out of your day to figure it out, the money out of your pocket to make these investments so you can actually learn in front of everybody. So it's awesome, man. It's dope to be able to look back and ship from five years from now to look back and to see that, hey, I was doing my own turbo kit. You know, I was building my own fab parts. Dude, I love welding. And I just got into it recently, but it's it's amazing. Like, everybody has their thing that they they feel they're good at or that they can get good at and what they enjoy. 
I love building cars. I love racing, but I'm not a good welder at all. I just started it, but putting on the mask, finding the point where to heat it up and add the rod and everything. Like, like I said, I'm not, I'm not good at it, but I'm getting there. I'm learning it. And I really enjoy it. Yeah. So if I can look back five years from now and look at that up pipe that I just made and be like, yo, that was trash. This is what I'm making now. That's my short term goal in, in the car community kind of. Yeah. I want to learn to weld well and be able to continue building my cars and do some fabrication on the side. Who knows, maybe even open up a shop in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, that's like something that I'm really enjoying in cars right now. And that's just from buying an Eastwood machine on eBay because I heard that those are a good beginner machine. Um, asking a few tri- tri- tips and tricks from a few people here and there. And I'm um, looking at YouTube videos, learning from other people and learning myself. Yeah, dude, you're at the perfect age right now, man, especially since you're you're already, you know, two to three years into it from making constant videos. Man, you just right. got to keep feeding the machine and who knows where you'll be at in the next five years. Definitely. So what's your uh, what's your future goal? Where would you like to see yourself? Florida for now. Mm-hmm. I like Florida and um eventually what i want to do like i'm renting a house right now but i want to buy a lot and put like a shop in the back maybe like a 30 by 40 something big that we can grow into and just build cars out of there like build them race them weld stuff on them like full fabrication and if i'm able to do it with youtube like if it keeps on growing type thing um and if that could turn into like a job type thing um that'd be perfect you know that's the goal hell yeah that's definitely do you have a, a day job right now yeah, so right now, like since I just moved out, I'm actually looking for a job. I have some money saved up, but um, so in the meanwhile, that's what I'm doing. Uh, but before that, I worked a lot in customer service. Okay. Like I worked at a resort for the last four years, and then before that, I worked at Starbucks, and then before that, at a country club. Uh, like I, I do a lot of customer service. It's always been like my nine to five type job, yeah. and then just uh, like side jobs on the side and whatnot. Dude, customer service is huge, bro. You know, when yeah. I, uh, before I started working or before I started Downstar, I was working at Best Buy for probably nice. like, you know, six or seven years. And that was the, uh, one of the biggest focuses was customer service. So I had, I was working in the install bay. So the install bay, it was kind of its own separate business. Nobody really went back there or messed with anything, but the installers, so that was my first taste in business, and I knew if I had an issue, I had to handle it myself because if I didn't, then I would have to call in a manager or whatever, and then they would be more on top of us because now we're adding to their plate, you know? So, so I was always so focused on customer service, and you know, even if something, it wasn't our fault, I would take care of the customer, make sure they were happy at the end of the day. And man, I use those practices to this day for my own business. And it uh, it helps out so much, man. You, you look at customers in such a different way. You look at them as they are the reason for you being in business rather than, oh, well, what do you want? Okay, nah, not right now. You know, which is the way that most automotive businesses do work. A lot of people in the industry do not have good customer service and they take advantage and, um, you know, expect the customer to always be there when sometimes they won't be. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. You'll take your business elsewhere because it's, you know how rare it is to find a, co- a company that has one product that isn't made by two or three other people? Yeah. It, they find another person to go to. 
So like you said, you got to treat that person with, with respect and be able to uh, make sure that they stay not only for the product, but for the service as well. Now, it's huge. that you have this uh, this customer service experience, do you ever think about going to any of these shops in uh, in Florida and work for them so you could keep your hobby and your, uh, your nine to five, everything's all entangled? I thought about it. I thought about it. Uh, right now, it's still up in the air, but... Um, it's definitely something I keep in mind. Yeah. yeah, because if that's your end goal, if you want to do something automotive and you want to you want to do more on YouTube and things like that, like I would recommend just immersing your entire life into it because you you already have a you already have a head start, you know. And um, there's a, a lot of people that they won't focus on their dream because oh, well, I have to work over here, but you can do both of those right. things at the same time. Exactly. Do you know, uh, are you familiar with Humble Performance? Yeah. Do you, do you watch their YouTube channel no. by chance? Okay, so they got a channel. I think they're, I want to say they're either at 60 or 1,000 or 100,000 subscribers. Gotcha. I know it's a big gap, but I remember seeing one of those two numbers. Um, it's a pretty successful YouTube channel. And the guy who runs it, Kenny, he's the video guy. I'm pretty sure that he does um, like the ordering as well, like the sales stuff. So he works there and he does a YouTube channel and he has a, a build by himself also like with the shop or whatever, but his own personal build. Um, so that's like a perfect example of what you're trying to say, what I could end up doing, like working with the shop and still continuing the other stuff on the side. That'd be really cool. Dude, hell yeah, bro. Because there's so many of these shops that I'm telling you, man, no disrespect to anybody, but the, the customer service is not there. And it just makes sense because a lot of these automotive businesses start the same way, you know, you're starting that I'm starting is just, oh, we got an idea and you just keep feeding it and it just keeps growing. But a lot of these guys just came from the garage. So they don't really have experience with sales or with uh, customer service or things like that. But since you have that skill, man, I would go to any of these shops. I, if I were you, I would choose, okay, this is the shop that I want to work at. I'm going to go over to them with a proposal. Look, bro, your shop is, is you do this, you have these fastest cars in the world, or you're, you're the greatest shop. Let's talk about it. Your YouTube channel sucks. Your Instagram sucks. The pictures suck. Let me take care of all that shit. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do uh, three vlogs for you a week, you know, and then that'll transition over into your personal channel as well. Whatever shop yeah. it would be. Um, I know there's so many shops just just say like, you know, enemy creations or something like that in, in Florida. Just, right. you know, whoever, Chapeline, anybody just go over to them and, um, you know, propose that to the, you. You have something to offer and uh Dude, that's that's a huge opportunity where you could just mix it all in together, and then that would feed yeah. back to your main YouTube channel too. True, that's very true. Yeah. So yeah. if there's anybody out there in the uh, California area, I need somebody just like that that I explained. Dude, I would love it, man. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, we we just don't have enough uh, enough time in the day to be able to focus on you know doing a YouTube channel to vlog and things like that. Like even the podcast. It takes a lot. Yeah, it takes a lot. Like people don't understand, but it really does. One of the most critical parts to any build is the clutch. 
Without a proper clutch, you won't be able to get that power to the wheels. No one wants to spend hundreds of dollars on a clutch that won't hold their power for more than a few races or spirited drives. It is important to go with a clutch that you know that you can count on. That's why many people choose Action Clutch over the competition. Action Clutch offers OEM replacements all the way to 1200 plus horsepower that can be found everywhere from streetcars, drag cars, and even formula drift vehicles. Action Clutch makes all their kits here in the USA with material sourced locally in Los Angeles. Not only is Action Clutch made in the USA, they have also made a strong focus this year to give back a percentage of sales back to the community during these hard times, providing impacted families with groceries and other necessities. Contact Action Clutch today with whatever you need and you will receive the family treatment. You can find their product line at actionclutch.com. If you don't see what you need, please feel free to call them at 323-269-6051. You can also DM them on Instagram at actionclutch or email them at sales at actionclutch.com. If you need help choosing a kit, Action Clutch can get you set up with the right kit for your build. Yeah, so let's speak on that a little bit. So say one episode of the uh, of the vlog, how long does it usually take you uh, to go from start to finish, to record, to edit, and to actually have it up? So I don't have, like, everything's different, depends what it is, but um, I try to, like, in my mind, if I know that, for example, something that I'm doing to the car is going to take an hour, and I'm going to record myself doing it, I know it's going to take at least two hours. I always double it up. Because, um, for example, when I was doing the welding the other day, that one I didn't show as in-depth as I do in some other videos. Um, but I'll set up the tripod, I'll get an angle, I'll start doing the work, and then I'll go back to the camera, go on to time-lapse, keep on going. Then I'll stop, explain it, and then go back to, for example, Google if I'm referencing how to learn how to do something. Uh, then I'll go back, continue working on it, then move the camera, do this, that, and another. And when you get done, edit it all and then find music that you can put in to like not keep people bored in the middle of the of the video or um, like finding out if I could put pictures of other people's work in between the video to be like, OK, this is what I did. This is what it should look like. Um, this is what I want to strive to be like. Super stuff like that. It, it takes a lot more than people realize because you're not only doing the the finger clicking but you're also thinking okay what should i do next for a viewer to actually understand what i'm doing because it's easy for me to for example set up a time lapse in the corner of the garage and go on the other side and do all the work and then explain it but it's not the same doing that as okay guys right now we're stopping but we're stopping because we're gonna do this and we're doing this because of this reason so it, it takes a lot more work than people understand um but it's definitely a really satisfying feeling. It's it's beautiful to be able to see like the end result and be what what my favorite thing is to be honest from making the whole videos is getting a message on Instagram and be like, "Yo, I saw this video. It helped me do it myself." Like I've never believed in myself, but since I saw you, a person with little to no experience, for example, with welding, I saw you do this. I ordered a welder, and actually this week I had three people message me. I ordered the same welder wow. as you did. You can do it at home. It's, a, it's an amazing feeling because you're like, wow, you're actually impacting people, their lives to actually go and do something. You're not telling them to go do drugs. You're not telling them to go like quit their job. You're telling them to invest into themselves. And it's a really nice feeling and it, it takes away any negativity you could have with, all right, this video is taking too long or I'm wasting my time recording or setting up. 
it takes all that away and just makes a beautiful feeling out of it. Yeah. Now, we're, but I estimate about double the time going back to your original question. I feel you. And where do you feel that that comes from that you want to uh, help people and, uh, you know, push them forward? Um, I don't know specifically where it's just, it's something that I really enjoy. Like working in customer service, maybe that has something mm, to do with it yeah. since my first hospitality job. Um, cause I worked like little side jobs and like I cleaned floors for a while, like overnight and stuff while I was still in high school. Um, I did all that stuff. And, uh, my first customer service job was in hospitality as a server as at a country club. And you, you always say, okay, for a customer at a restaurant, especially, you want to wow them. You don't want to give them their food and take their order. You want to go above and beyond because in turn, what's that going to do? They're going to leave you a bigger tip. And yeah, it's true. You get more money like that. But I always felt like a satisfaction in having them enjoy their night, enjoy their meal, enjoy little stuff. And I don't know. It's just a good feeling to be able to help other people. And even if it's something simple like getting them their meal or showing them to do something or pushing them to better themselves it's a feeling it's the same feeling no matter what it is yeah it's a feeling of like satisfaction and happiness towards them yeah damn i never even thought about it like that you're right it, it probably does come from customer service you know you you want to give that that best experience i, w I would tell people like look i don't want to sell you anything i want to give you an experience so you tell me what type of experience you're looking for and i'm gonna try to make that happen because um then you just have people come back you know they'll they'll speak highly of your work or your business or your parts and at the end of the day they become a salesman for you so everybody that you talk to everybody that you connect with you're showing them your best self so then now they can uh, in turn push your brand forward and without you even physically being there and you not doing it as like, okay, I'm going to treat you nice so you could tell everybody. It just, that's a benefit of just being a nice person. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be genuine. Like, because you could go around and and hand everybody $100. Like, here, tell people I'm good. Tell people I'm good. Tell people I'm good. Tell people I'm good. And sure, they just got paid 100 bucks. They'll probably go on Facebook and be like, yo, so-and-so is awesome. Yeah. Go down. But is that really going to stick with their heart? Yeah. No. And you don't do like the, the good stuff so they can go and tell other people, but it's the direct outcome of being that genuine, that genuine person. Um, so I always say, I always say to my friends and like to anybody who asks me questions about racing or trying to promote themselves, don't go with the end goal of being big. Don't go with the end goal of uh, bettering yourself. Just try to help people. Just try to put your little two cents and. And if somebody can learn something off of you or somebody can enjoy a video off of you, make their happiness your goal and then everything good will come back to you. I feel you, man. So uh, when we were talking about Zosh earlier, you said that he um, he shows like his his personal side as well. Is that something that you do? Do you show like, you know, the, the positive along with the negative? So when it comes to cars, um, I'll show negative 100 percent. If I blow a motor up, I'll be like, all right, let's pull the head off on video. Let's see what broke. Um, I'm not going to bash someone and say like, oh, it was this person's fault that it broke or it was this part. But I'll say, um, okay, this broke. Let's fix it. What do we do now? So in that kind of aspect, yeah, I'll definitely show the negative as well as the positive. Uh, Zosh does go a little bit more personal. He'll show his personal life as well, like uh, his relationship with his mom. I love his videos with his mom. 
um, like every year when he does the 23, I think was his last video that he did of like his full year. Um, and then like some stuff about his girlfriend, which I respect that's his channel. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. I prefer personally not to put that much personal stuff, non car related into my channel, uh, just my preference. But, um, when it comes to car related stuff, I'll still put out positive and negative no matter what it is. Got you, got yeah. you. Yeah, whether it's your uh, your personal feelings or your your car or anything like that, it's always good to show both sides of things because it actually makes people way more relatable to you than somebody yeah. else who's just putting out fire all day, all day, all day, just putting out fire. It's like, okay, bro, this is not real because nobody yeah. is that good where everything is going to work out perfectly all the time. It's impossible. So especially if there's somebody that you that you look up to and you see them make like a mistake that you'd make, it makes them seem more human. And then you're just like, oh, OK, cool. I like this person. I feel like it's discouraging a little bit to the next generation of racers or builders or in general to next generation, not even car related. Uh, if, if you're looking up to someone, you're idolizing them to a certain extent, not saying that anybody is better than anybody or should be idolized or anything. We should all be looked at with an even playing field. But um, if you're looking up to someone regarding what they're doing, car-related, life-related or whatever, and everything they do is perfect. Wow, he just bought a new house. Wow, his car just went eights. Mm -hmm. Wow, his, uh, his landscaping is super nice, whatever. If they look at all that positive, sure, that's a good thing. But then when they go out and say, okay, let me buy a house. It's not as nice as his. Oh, man, why can't I be as good as that? Ah, uh, he has everything perfect. It's discouraging. Yeah. And it makes people feel lesser if they can't have the perfect picture. So I feel like if somebody paints that perfect picture, it's it's not true and it's not it's not healthy for people watching. And it kind of contradicts my same way of thinking in the sense that I don't like people who get offended easily. Not that I don't like them, but in my personal view, I try to not let things get under my skin. I try not to let somebody else's life affect my own output, but I'm not saying that other people think that same way. Yeah. So if somebody's easily affected, then putting out that positive, perfect like picture all the time can be damaging to some people. So I think it's very important to show your mistakes, very important to show your willingness to overcome those mistakes and show that, that path of how to get away from that bad stuff. Yeah. Hell. I think it's really important. Hell yeah, bro. I love it, man. So uh, let's talk about your connection with uh, Whitfield. Yeah, great people. Jason and the whole team over there. Amazing. Yeah, so what do you guys got working on? So uh, we just got their manifold onto our Integra. Um, that one is good for, shoot, you can make upwards of 1,000 horsepower with that one. Um, but Whitfield, it's crazy. Like, I didn't know that much about Whitfield uh, about a year ago when it came to his past builds, but I knew the cars, you know? Um, it, Cause you look at marketing now versus marketing 15, 20 years ago, which is around the time that he started Whitfield. Um, and it, it's totally different. Like you had magazines that you can't find anymore. Yeah. Instead of right now you go on Instagram, you scroll down and you see posts from two years ago. So I remember seeing cars of his, like his builds, um, over the internet on forums and like Google pictures and stuff. But I never really knew about him until I started actually looking into his company. And uh, there were a few interviews that he had, like similar stuff that we're doing right now over a podcast. And you look at his life story and like 
his whole his goal from when he was young to how he made it into a company and how we progressed from that point forward. And it's a, an amazing story. And he has a great product to go behind it. Not only his manifolds, his cages, his wings, like everything he does out of there comes out top notch. notch. Yeah. And it's something that like, as a person, I, I would love to be someone like him in the sense that he had a dream, he envisioned it and he went for it. And then as a, as a fabricator, like I said, I'm trying to get into welding and I'm trying to get into fabrication or whatever. He does amazing work. So to have a company like that behind me and be able to support me, it's an amazing feeling. And I'm always looking at his posts, his videos, like not only that, but like food stuff. We always tag each other on Instagram and whatnot. Um, he's a, a down to earth guy who does amazing work. And I really admire that. And I don't know, it's a, it's a great person. Jason's a great person and like the whole company is just amazing. I love it, man. So speaking yeah. of uh, people that have been in the industry for a while, who are some of the uh, influences that, that you have in the Honda community? Vin Diesel, bro. Vin? No, just, but not, not even lying. The, the Fast and the Furious movies were like a huge inspiration as a kid, not as like a, a real racer or whatever, but um, you know, they're definitely like... You know, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. You know that the uh, the Fast and the Furious story that was uh, inspired by um, uh, interview from Vibe magazine, and oh, yeah. and that that interview was done from a, a racer uh, called Racer X in the um, in New York. So that okay. that whole everything based on uh, on Fast and Furious Toretto and everything, the real Toretto is. Uh, in New York, man, and we're gonna have him on the podcast very soon. Say it again. There was actually like a real family, like to the story type thing. Well, I don't know how close to the actual story it was, but that's actually what happened. Um, this guy, uh, oh, I forget his name, Kenneth. Kenneth's, I forget the guy's name who actually did the uh, interview and did the story for Vibe Magazine. This was probably back in you know the the '90s or so. Um, right. He did the story, sold that story to Universal. Universal made it into Fast and Furious. Holy crap, that's crazy! Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm I'm so I'm stoked to have that podcast. We're gonna drop that one pretty soon, but we'll be able to figure out who the oh, really? the real Toretto was, man, and if they really drank that much Coronas. <laughs> that's just, oh, we we definitely do, <laughs> bro. We have a tradition. Whenever we start a new build, we got a new motor running. Uh, obviously we put coolant or water depending what the build is into our radiator we pour at least half a bottle of corona into the radiator <laughs> i kid you not we literally you can look on some of the videos i'm not making this up we literally get the bottle pour it right into the radiator start the car i love we it we don't drain it out anyway we keep it in the car <laughs> oh yeah so there's corona in the car so before i cut you off you were saying fast and furious that inspired you oh yeah definitely that, that was you know just like kid stuff yeah. growing up we watched the cars and whatnot. Like I'm only 23 years old, so I was really young watching those videos. Um, it was really cool, so, like to get into cars from that. Yeah. But then, uh, like as I got older, people like I am Ty Boogie, for example, on YouTube, mm -hmm. seeing people out on the street racing or seeing even some of their track videos too. Um, it was just inspiration to like want to build something. Yeah. Um, it's it just really, it's really nice. Like you see pioneers in the sport, like for example, Bizimoto. Like he always had a whole bunch of cars and old builds. He's one of like the OGs or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's so many people. So many people are just a, a huge melting pot. I think everybody feeds off themselves too, or not themselves, but off each other. So if you have two people in the industry that want to grow something, 
those two people are going to make 10 other people want to grow also. And it's almost contagious and we all help each other. We all grow off of each other too. Yeah, I love it, dude. So let's get back to La Fea, man. I see it in the garage and you're doing the turbo kit on it. What are the, uh, the, what's the end goal? I want to make on that turbo that we have, I want to make like eight, 850. It's a 67 millimeter from VS racing. So it's not capable of much more than that. Um, but the goal for the car right now is to run an 899. As long as I go eights, I'm happy. Wow. Uh, fastest it's gone is 10 two. That was the second time with the car out. It went 10 two when it's fastest. And then we always ran into little issues here and there when we try to make more power. So right now we have a sleeve motor with O-rings, L19 head studs. Like it should seal perfectly now. Before we would have head gasket issues, the head would lift, the trans would lock out, little stuff that would prevent us from actually running what we should. So now I have like you know all the good stuff in the motor. It still has the same trans as before, but I'm trying to get like a, a PPG or something, be able to shift good. And uh, once we do that, it should. With the power that it'll make and the weight it's at, it should go low nines or high eights, which is the goal. So hopefully, hopefully this year we start it. Hopefully next year, early in the season, we can do that. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, you're going to end the world uh, or end the year at World Cup? Uh, I want to go definitely for spectate at least. I don't think that I'm going to rush the car to make it out there to race. Yeah. Um, just because I'm not uh, like a class racer. Like, you know how there's the all-motor field, the sports front-wheel drive yeah, field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, not to say that I don't like those classes, I just, I've never identified myself with one. I just like having fun with the car. So, I instead of rushing to make an event, I'll just take my time, do everything right, and just go out there to enjoy it as a spectator. Hell yeah, dude. Hey, well, Pablo, you're on the right path, man. You know? Thanks, bro. Appreciate it's it. A, it's, it's a task to just even get 46k subs you know Definitely. that that's a huge accomplishment um so before we get out of here bro where can people find you at on youtube would be the biggest one uh, youtube.com slash sp tuning uh, that goes straight to the channel and we've got videos from how to build your motor uh tips and tricks how to race the car street car track car a whole bunch of stuff on there and uh, Instagram would be the other big outlet uh, at Slow Integra. Slow Integra. I love it, man. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get this car all bolted up, make sure you give me a call, all right? Sounds good, bro. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you for your time, bro. I really, really appreciate it. And Thanks for the opportunity, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course, man. It's awesome to hear the story. And, uh, you know, I, wa I want as much tips on uh, how to build YouTube as possible, dude. We're still trying to build this channel over here. But it's the uh, dude. It's, what do you have? One one ninety six podcast now, right? Yeah, this is one ninety six. One ninety six. That's crazy. That's a whole bunch. And dude, le don't let me stun on you with our subs, bro. But we're almost to four k. You got it. Dude, <laughs> you got it, bro. It feels like just yesterday. That's what I was at. Like it'll go fast once you get that groove. It'll go up. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, Pablo, yeah, thank bro. you, man. I appreciate your time, brother. Thanks, bro. Yeah, for sure. And I thank you guys for listening, man. Um, huge thanks to our sponsor, Heel Toe Automotive. Been around since 2002, supplying you guys with all the Honda parts that you need. Make sure you listen to the commercial to hear how to get hooked up. Also, shout out to Rywire, the uh, number one wiring in the uh, in uh, in the business. Make sure you guys check them out at Rywire. And our new sponsor, Action Clutch, man. Um, stoked to have them aboard. And uh, all the clutches are made in LA, man, which is awesome. You guys can check out their uh, Instagram channel at Action or their 
Instagram page at Action Clutch, and you could see them um, behind the scenes just putting the clutches together and uh, excited to have them on, man. And uh, thank you guys for listening to episode 196, and we're out. Peace.